0: Chapter 4 of Arona The Elden. Ah! screamed she off. Little freak just bit me! Guys, get over here and help us! The tiny man kicked and squirmed, trying to break free. Watch his hands, Troy! yelled Jack. The little guy had freed one hand and was frankly trying to grab something attached to his thick leather belt. Just then, Cubby Drew and a few others woke up and ran over to us, helping to hold him down. The more the faint dawn light shined on this little man, the more confused I became. He had dark black curls that dropped midway down his back and smelled as if they had never been washed. He had tan skin, big bright green eyes, and rugged, weathered features with dark bushy eyebrows and cracked lips. He was dressed in worn-out black and brown leather from head to toe. The leather was stitched together with some sort of bright blue thread, and he wore a thick leather belt with all sorts of mysterious gadgets attached. "'Who is that?' asked Ali, stumbling over, still trying to wake up. "'We don't know,' I said, as I held his hand so G.F. could finish tying them with a vine rope. "'Not one of the passengers we know, that's for sure.' "'What? What do you mean?' asked Jack, still unaware of what we had just wrestled. He reached over to turn the man's face, which was now smashed in the dirt. He gently turned it to the side. <laughs> "'the man said to him, as their eyes connected for the first time. "'He keeps saying that,' I said, feeling both curious and annoyed. "'Jack was speechless for the first time in his life. "'He just stared at him with his mouth open. "'This is beyond weird,' he said in a whisper, "'staring at her captive, who was now tied up and motionless. "'What is this guy? "'He's dressed from the Middle Ages and doesn't speak a language I've ever heard. Well, "'On top of that, he's, he's half our size but doesn't really look like a dwarf.' He lifted up a flask he had taken off the little man's belt, taking a cautionary sniff. The only thing I can make out is this word carved here. It looks like it says... Elden. Let me see, I said, holding out my hand. The flask was beautiful and intricately detailed. It was made of what seemed like hard, metal-like wood. On one side was the emblem of an eagle. Colorfully painted in different shades of blue, and seemed to almost glow as I studied it. Below the eagle was the word Elden, just like Jack said. Many of the other carvings looked like writing, but were in a language none of us had ever seen before. Cubby was busy playing with another one of his gadgets. It looked like a mini-telescope, made of wood and metal that could be worn on your head, with one eye open. This is amazing! If I change these settings, I can see different distances, he said as he looked through it and pressed on a small lever on the side of the shaft. It made a clicking sound each time he did. The design looked just as finely detailed as the flask. "'I think this is a weapon,' said Drew, closing and opening a type of collapsible wooden rod that resembled a short, pointing stick. "'These tiny darts on his belt can be put in this small hole here and then shot out like a blowgun. "'They must be laced with something. They're so tiny, I can't imagine they would do any damage otherwise.' Ah, what's that noise? We all heard a faint, high-pitched hissing sound and looked over at Jack, who was blowing what looked like a tiny whistle. What is that? I asked. Not sure. Almost seems like a dog whistle, he said, handing me the minuscule wooden whistle. It had dozens of tiny eagles engraved on it. Finally, something I can use, said Geoff. I looked over at him and saw a smug look on his face as he opened a small wooden flask and smelled it. "'This better be worth the bite. "'Whatever it is, it smells potent. "'Like a mix of gasoline and rum.' "'He took another deep sniff. "'I don't know if that's the best idea,' I said wearily. "'He looked like he was just about to take a swig. "'Yeah, man, what if that's the poison for the darts?' asked Drew, "'gently prying it away from Geo's reluctant fingers. "'Yeah, let's have Clint try it first. joked Cubby. "'Y'all laughed. "'Just then a scream came out from behind us. "'Look!' Yelled a small girl. We looked up, and in the sky was the largest eagle I had ever seen. It was at least five times bigger than any bald eagle I had observed at our lake house up by Canada. It flew over to us in a wide arc, then dove down and let out the loudest and most terrible screech. Look out! We all ducked, and it barely missed us with its talons. Grab a spear, yelled Drew, running to grab one of the spears he had made. They were stuck in the ground about twenty feet away. The eagle shot back up into the sky then dove down again before Drew could get back. This time, he snatched up the little man by his talons, still flapping its wide-spanning wings as it tried to pull him up and in the air. Jack quickly grabbed the little man's legs while Allie held on the rope. Between the two of them, they were able to pull the little man back down, causing the bird to let go and fly away. Get out of here! yelled Geoff as he waved his arms and swung a stick at the giant bird. Then, as fast as it had come, it was gone, screeching the entire time flying up and over our lookout tower before disappearing in the clouds above by this time drew was back with several spears we all watched as this monster of an eagle came back and circled above us a few more times it was jet black with white speckled dots on its belly and bright blue streaks going across its back after about a minute of circling us it disappeared once more into the clouds what was that? said geoff unable to hide the panic in his voice Telling you, I've been around eagles all my life, and I've I've never seen like that. Not even up in Alaska. I'm telling you guys, something's wrong with this place. These animals are not normal, said Allie, as she frantically searched the sky. She bent down a bit, protecting her head, as if the eagle was still flying around. Yeah, all I know is that bird is like nothing I've ever seen, said Drew. I don't even know anymore. It was massive. I mean, did you see that? He looked up at the sky, as if hoping to get one last look. What are we going to do? Allie asked in a panic. Where are we? And What's happening? We're going to die out here, aren't we? She started to cry. No! snapped Cuggy. I'm getting back to my family. How's are you? Calm down. It's okay. Easy for you to say. My parents are dead! She spat back at him. No one knew what to say to that. We didn't get far in our interrogation of the little man. He stopped talking with us in his language and just laid there in silence all day long. We even had one of the survivors named Marin who specialized in different languages, tried to talk to him, but she couldn't understand a word he said. The only time I got him to talk to me was when I was holding his flask. He motioned to me with his head to come closer as he laid on his back on the ground tied up. I bent down next to him, and he opened his mouth, exposing several rows of unnatural, rotten teeth. It was then I realized he was asking me for me to give him a drink from the flask. So I did. I poured a little of the foul-smelling liquid into his mouth, and he drank it down and then gave me a big smile. It was the first time he hadn't looked like he wanted to kill me since we tied him up. "'Leafin!' he said in a raspy voice. "'You're Leafin?' he nodded his head yes. "'Leafin!' he said again, smiling. "'Nice to meet you. I'm Troy.' I bent down to try to shake his tied-up hand. He didn't seem to understand what I was trying to do and let a laugh before opening his mouth again for another drink. "'What are those teeth?' I thought to myself. I was surprised to see him happy and friendly, he must really love that drink. For the next few days, we worked on improving the shelter and talked a lot about where Leafin might be from, a nearby village we hoped. We agreed on one thing, the time had come for us to extend our search into this mysterious and dangerous wilderness. I was proud of what we had accomplished and felt confident we could survive as long as we needed, but I was getting really antsy, as were my brothers and all the other survivors. We lost two more wounded to infection over the last few days, and all the scouting parties came back with the same reports. Endless wilderness in every direction. No sign of this little man's village anywhere. Drew and a few of the others climbed up one of the higher peaks and used the little Eldon's teleglasses, as we came to call them. Once again, all they saw were trees, lakes, and mountains in every direction. No sign of civilization anywhere. We knew the Elden had to come from somewhere, but but just how far he had traveled to get to us we had no idea we were about to plan our next steps when the big south africaner man walked up to where jack cubby and i were sitting by the fire we were looking over a map we had drawn on the ground and discussing possible new directions to explore we're leaving he said i don't blame you said jack standing up i'd like to do the same but we have too many wounded here that can't even stand up let alone make it through this rough terrain The only thing we can do is stay here and protect them from these animals until help arrives. Aww, that's awful nice of you, he replied sarcastically. Good luck with that. We're taking some of the fish, spears, and one of the knives. He and a few other men began picking up some of the spears, not waiting for a response. That's fine. You help make them, it's only fair. You need to stop worrying about what's fair and start worrying about surviving, he snarled, glaring at Jack. You're all gonna die out here waiting for help. Nobody's coming time like these, it's survival of the fittest. Would you still be telling me that if you were one of the ones that couldn't walk? Jack calmly asked. The big burly man just shook his head and turned away, walking towards our makeshift gate. He had about twelve men, four women, and an older child with him. That's probably the last time we'll see them, I thought to myself. We'd already lost one of the scouting parties that went out a few days ago. Four people in total. Plus the two that were killed by Allie and Larry. They gathered up their things and followed Clint out the gate. Only a few of them looked back. "'What if Clint's right? "'What if we never get out of here alive?' said Cubby, "'as we sat alone by the fire later that night before bed. "'I don't know. I, I I can't go on like this. "'We have to find this little guy's town. We, "'I have to let Amanda know I'm alive,' he said, "'his voice breaking as tears ran down his cheeks. "'I'd never seen my brother cry before. "'Don't worry, Cubby. We'll get home,' I said." To I put my hand on his hunched over shoulder, trying to comfort him. Cubby has a big heart. I'm sure the sight of all of our fellow survivors losing their family members was having an effect on him. It was on all of us. Unlike me, he had a family back home and a wife he adored. After Clint and the others left, life at camp started to become a familiar routine. I'd wake up several times each night and climb up one of the ladders we had leaning against our fence. I loved to watch as all the animals of all kinds slowly made their way over up to our barrier to investigate. The smell of dead fish, animals, and human blood attracted them to our camp like bugs to a light. They couldn't resist. Some would try to dig at the base or climb over it before being scared off by one of the night watchers with torches, spears, and shouts. Finally the morning would come and things would calm down. We'd boil lake water and make a kind of minty pine needle tea as we watched small hawks dive down for fish. One morning I was having my tea by the lake and sitting in one of Geoff's not-so-comfortable chairs when I heard what sounded like an explosion in the distance. "'Do you guys hear that?' I said as I ran over to where Jack, Cubby, Larry, and some others were sitting by the main fire. "'Yeah,' said Jack as he stood up quickly. "'What was that?' "'I see something!' yelled Geoff, who was up in the lookout tower. The noises continued. This time there were multiple of them strung together. What is it? I yelled up at him. He didn't answer. I grabbed the teleglasses from the table and started to climb one of the ladders that leaned against the inside of the wall. What, what is that? Geo said softly, with awe and shock in his voice. He squinted, trying to make it out. Birds! Thousands of them! What? What do you mean birds? asked Jack from behind me. I reached the top of the ladder and looked through the teleglasses, out over the long field that led to the forest. Everything was blurry, so I clicked the mechanism to change focus. It zoomed in too much, and all I could see was part of a bird resembling that same giant eagle that tried to take away our captive Elden. I clicked again, and this time it zoomed out. What I saw almost made me fall off the ladder. The sky was filled with thousands upon thousands of those same eagles each of them with a man that looked just like our little eldon riding on their backs and flying right towards us they're coming i said my voice barely a whisper i turned and looked down at jack they're coming what whos coming yelled back jack is it the rescue no i turned back and looked through the teleglasses again Thousands of those little men with weapons in their hands, and and flying on those eagles! I could barely believe my own words. I looked over and saw Drew standing up on another ladder, with a spear in each hand, looking out. "'What's that down below them?' he yelled. I looked to see what he meant, and could see a dark cloud of dust below the eagles. Then I saw them, a solid wall of giant elk-like creatures, each with two elden riding on their backs. Column after column leaped out over the forest and over large rocks and fallen trees towards us. I could see many Eldons swinging what looked like nets, and others with those blowguns in their hands. The noises grew louder and quicker together when I realized there was some type of drum. Everyone grab a weapon, yelled Drew. We're under attack! The entire camp erupted in chaos as people ran around in panic, screaming. Look out! Yelled Geoff from the tower. I looked up and watched in horror as an eagle swept down from out of nowhere, grabbing Jack by his shoulders, carrying him up over the walls and out of sight. Then another. And another. The eagles continued sweeping down and grabbing men, women, and children as they screamed. Sometimes they would carry them off. Other times they would toss them through the air against the walls or into the lake. Help! I looked up to my right and saw Alling being carried up by her dark black hair as she flapped her legs and arms. Larry and Cubby quickly grabbed onto her but weren't able to pull her down. Just then, another eagle dove down, and I watched the elder on top of it shoot Larry with a blow dart. He collapsed to the ground with a thud. All around me, my friends were collapsing and being carried off. I watched several of those eagles violently smash into our tall lookout tower until they knocked it over and crashed it to the ground. Geoff leaped from it from the last second, rolling to safety. It all happened so fast, yet it seemed like it was happening in slow motion. I saw Drew throw a spear, but before I could look to see what he hit, I heard a rumbling like a stampede. I looked out over the fence, and my mouth dropped open with shock and fear. Hundreds of elk were running full speed towards me heads down, and broad antlers forward. The elden on their backs were yelling and blowing out darts as their elk started to leap out over our walls with ease. Others tossed out nets as they flew overhead. I finally snapped out of my stupor and threw my spear, hitting one of the many oncoming beasts as it fell to the ground and knocked down several other elk in the process. My lucky shot didn't matter. "'Troy, look out!' yelled Cubby as he looked over at me. He was standing on the ladder with Drew. Before I could even fully turn to face him, I saw in the corner of my eye one of the leaping elk flying over me. I was knocked off the fence and fell backwards, landing hard on the ground with something straddling me. One of the elden riding the elk that leapt over me was now wrapped around my face and neck as we struggled on the ground. I tried to knock him off, but then I felt one of the tiny darts stick into my arm. Then I felt another go into my leg. I saw one of the elk come smashing through the wall with its antlers right below Cubby and Drew. They went flying through the air along with the splintering wood of our broken down fence. My vision blurred, and my head hit the dirt. My eyes started to close. The last thing I remembered was watching helplessly as hundreds of little Eldon continued to overrun and set fire to what remained of our camp. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Storyteller Podcast. I need your support so that I can continue to create these stories. Please visit my Patreon page at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Adam James and donate. For as little as $1 a month, you'll have access to a ton of exclusive content. You also help me keep this podcast alive and make it so that I can create more of them. You can cancel any time. Even if you can only do one month, I'd still really appreciate it. Either way, thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll share my podcast with your friends. See you all in the next episode.